You're listening to I'll Have What She's Podcasting, a film and pop culture podcast hosted by Louise Oliver and Jackie Farmer, two tired feminist millennials giving you opinions you didn't ask for about the content they love. Hello, Jackie Farmer. (laughs) Hello, Louise Oliver. We are still in spooky season. Yes, we are. Thank goodness. It's my favourite time of year. Why is that? (laughs) I love everything about it. I love the colours. I love the fact that I can pull out my jumpers. I have a lot of them. I have too many jumpers. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you have the perfect amount. And I have a nice rainbow uh, selection of jumpers. I like long trips to the pub by the mm-hmm. fireplace. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it starts to get darker a little earlier, but not too early, like in the depths of winter. Yeah, when it's dark all the time. Yeah, when it's dark all the time. And it's an excuse to watch endless amounts of horror and schlock. Yes. On the television. Neither of which we're covering today. Mm-mm. Thank no. God. But it is a seminal spooky season movie. Yes, it is. Particularly for millennials. Yep. Lock up your virgins. <laughs> Because this is the season you need to keep all lighters, matches, flammable products of any kind away from virgins for both this movie and this season. But it becomes socially acceptable to talk to your cat at length. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone will understand why. What movie are we covering, if you haven't already guessed? Today we are covering the literal classic film Hocus Pocus. (laughs) It's very good. It is very good. So how familiar were you with this movie? This movie, very, very familiar. Very familiar. I've seen it. I remember seeing it in the cinema. I've watched it at least once a year, probably since it came out in 1993, was it? I think so, yeah. 1994, something like that. It was was definitely 93. I actually did know that. (gasps) She studied this time, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. And I'm always happier when I study. You may have (laughs) noticed the uh, tone of confidence, (laughs) the energy that she's bringing to today is the energy of someone who has done the revision yeah she's had a warm-up podcast and she has done her homework this time so she feels better about herself (laughs) excellent so you know what you definitely know it's 93 you were about to say why well i moved to scotland in 1994 Ah, so it was and i vividly remember going back to school in 1993 because this this film actually came out in the summer in america yes now, um, you maybe have a fact here. I feel like you might have a fact lurking in your body about this. It was to do with, I can't remember what it was and I should, but there was a film that, dis, it was a Disney film and there was a film they didn't want it to have to compete with. It was A Nightmare Before Christmas. Was it that? It was, right. yes. They okay. came out the same year. So you had the fact. <laughs> I know I did, but I wanted to give you a you little... You don't have to softball me facts. Don't start, don't do that. Don't. I, if I can't out-fact you, I need to up my game. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm just like... You have facts. <laughs> I respect your facts. I think that was like literally the only one I had. So, you know, I just wanted to. You I know, doubt that. Just lay the groundwork for being your extra first, smug. Your first note is a fact. Yeah, but you've got that one too, though, don't you? Well. Yeah, you do. She had this one too. I think most people know this one. So uh, we might as well get it out of the way at the top, which is that Sarah Jessica Parker's great, 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 great grandmother. Nailed it. Thank you. Was a witch. Well, she wasn't a witch. Maybe she was a witch. I don't know. But she was accused and put on trial for witchcraft in Salem. And it was a whole thing. That's a mad fact. Isn't that a mad fact? It's Jackie's fact. 
And if you, ha- for some reason, for some inexplicable reason, you haven't seen this film, Sarah Jessica Parker's in it, which is why this is a relevant fact. From what I understand is that she didn't find this out until she did the episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah. So she's made Hocus Pocus years, years, years before that, not knowing that this is literally in her genes. I wonder if it would have changed the way she played her character. Oh. I hope I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. She she nails it. The choices it. she makes are perfect. They are. They're um, so good. But I loved that um, finding that out, and it must have blown her mind. Yeah. I haven't seen the episodes of no. that show where this gets revealed. I I would like to now. I want to mm-hmm. find it and and see how she reacts because I read somewhere that it just like she was quoted as saying that it completely changed everything she thought about who she thought she was which is interesting that is interesting I wonder what's it when what do you know when it was I think it was like 2004 or 2005 okay so sex and city would have been yeah I think she was very much a thing yeah I think it was sort of mid sex in the city mm-hmm. uh hype but yeah apparently the case i've got the note here you've i mean you've probably got it written down as well she was arrested in salem in the 1600s not sarah jessica parker her <laughs> great 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 grandmother whose name was esther elwell and was arrested in salem in the 1600s for committing sundry acts of witchcraft and choking a neighbor to death um, the case never went to court and she escaped with her life and it was the accusation of witchcraft that ended the Salem witch trials which is I just, mental it, it creates so many more questions than it answers because like how yeah I want to know more what happened to the neighbour well this is the thing like now I have a theory on this okay pure speculation okay but as some of our listeners might know this is a talk witchcraft and witches and the whole idea of Mm -hmm. the witch in inverted commas is something I know a little bit about because I'm writing a play about all of it Mm -hmm. and I have a theory about this I bet the neighbour was choked to death but it wasn't by Esther I bet it was by somebody who has a grudge against Esther oh because this is this is what happened like anyone could cry witch in this particular period of hysteria and women were obviously targets of that and if someone perceived mainly men somebody mainly women to be a threat to them in some way whether their crops were doing better or they fancied somebody's sister or whatever it was you could cry witchcraft and get them out of the picture mm-hmm. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the neighbour was in some kind of domestic dispute or domestic violence situation and Esther got the blame yeah Esther's hedge was a bit high yep and uh, without no Knowing all the facts of this case, I'm really interested to look into it a little bit more. The fact that it then got thrown out and ended that period of time or, or that moment of hysteria and is in, very and, interesting. And presumably in such a way, if it was the ac- accusation that ended the Salem Witch Trials, what about it made people go, oh, maybe this is a bit silly. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Well, I wonder, given the fact that they know her name and they can trace this back to Sarah Jessica Parker means there's some kind of lineage there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Esther was some kind of pillar in the community yeah. or something like that so maybe it just became a bridge too far for people yeah. plus at the time the the Salem witch trials in any pocket Scotland was particularly bad for this it reached a zenith of hysteria and then started to dip off because people genuinely more sensible minds genuinely started to go this is getting out of hand mm-hmm. so it could have been a combination of things including that moment in time where they were like this needs to end because we've pretty much hung or burnt everyone in the in the village yeah. so like there's nobody left there's nobody left to like weave the wool or churn the the milk like we've we've basically desiccated <laughs> yeah. our fucking village 
So yeah, it could be a combination of all of those things. But that I I loved that. I thought that was it's a great fact. Great fact. It's a fantastic in fact. the context of of this movie. Yeah, that's actually it's very quick into the facts and very deep for the start of our podcast. Normally we waffle quite a lot to begin with, so this is right into the meat today. We are, we're getting there. We're actually, maybe this is a, too much behind the scenes information, but we are timing ourselves today because like, we realised that our cut of Ghostbusters was just like, okay guys, no one's that interested in what we have to say. <laughs> our editor's mad at us. He's mad. Um, so let's get into it then. So um, start of the movie, let's go. Start of the movie, yeah. Did you want to say anything about your familiarity with this film? Because I had my little bit. Um, I, do you know, I just, I, I can't even remember the first time I, I, I saw it. It's one of those movies that I just feel like I, I don't remember a time where I hadn't seen this movie. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love everything about it. It gives me a warm feeling when it, it comes on. It does. Uh, it makes me really happy. <laughs> It's great. The music. So I had the music. I have my first note is 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 a wrong is wrong because I listened to the the opening tune when you start to, when it starts to be like flying over old time Salem and it actually does sound quite a lot like the Adams Family mm-hmm. music as well. Yeah. So which is why I thought maybe it's the same composer, but it's not. Yeah, it's John Debney. What else did he do? He was a Disney guy, a long time collaborator of Disney, but in in the cartoon and TV world. Okay. Um, he's done so many things from our childhood. So you will be familiar with his style um, but I think this was his first feature film. I see I'm just going to very quickly, why can't I use my fingers? What's he Little Giants! Little Giants! Yeah! An, oh, an unsung classic! <laughs> Maybe that should be our Thanksgiving film. Maybe. But yeah, he's done a lot. Liar Liar. Oh, okay. Um, he's, yeah, he's just and then his list of like TV stuff and his scoring on things is just insane like Star Trek The Next Generation Deep Space Nine right Scooby-Doo like The Adventures of Super Ted Doctor Who Cagney and Lacey like Tiny Toon Adventures oh my gosh (laughs) they're tiny they're toony they're They're all a little loony (laughs) see there he is John Debney worked his way into our (laughs) into our brains when we were very young um, but this wow. is his first movie. Good for you, John. We're good for you, for John. You. Okay, it's a good one. That's great. So, and then we come upon a young man awaking from slumber called Thackeray Binks. Oh, Thackeray! He's looking for his wee sister. He's he's the most. Is Thackeray? He Binks. is the most. <laughs> he's the most. He is. He is making the most of his screen time. He is. I'm really proud of him. I'm actually <laughs> really proud of him. Uh, he just. His hair, his crisp white flowing shirt. Yes. His commitment to every syllable that he has to say. He is definitely doing an accent. He is. He and is. he is committed. The the line I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but you know, no, broadly I think it's speaking, fine. Yeah. you know, he realizes his little sister is, is gone and he, you know, runs to find his friend Elliot, who's cut from very much the same cloth, but mm-hmm. not nearly as um filtered as he's from the university of american show moms (laughs) (laughs) there's that line he has where um the two of them sort of run to the edge of the village and see emily his little sister skipping off with what we can assume to be a witch i think you can actually you can vaguely see that it's sarah sanderson yeah and uh yeah and, and his friend elliot gives it she's done for and then he delivers a, not yet, you wake my father, summon the elders, go! And it's just delivered with such, such gumption. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, first of all, it cracks me up every <laughs> single time, every single time. But I'm also like, mm. 
Sir. Go Thackeray. Well done. (laughs) You knew what the assignment was. Yes. And like Jackie, for this podcast, came prepared. He prepared himself. Whether or not it came off is (laughs) subjective. So it's open for interpretation. What isn't with with any kind of performance? Yes, young Thackeray is... I like him. I like him. Yeah, I like him. I like him. And Thackeray Binks is an excellent name. Yes. Excellent. Is Thackeray a real name? I don't know. Let's not do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if it's not, it should be. Well, well, we don't know, do we? Don't have a clue. Jackie Lou don't have a clue. Yeah. There you go. Uh, You got it. There it is. Thackeray. Is Thackeray a real name? It's a last name? Well, that tracks for people in the 1600s in Salem because last names could be first names. Yeah, and um, then they became and then they became last names through like you know mm-hmm. time. Where where Binks comes from, I don't know, but I know <laughs> Norse origin. Maybe this is a really boring thing. No, it's, I think it's it's either locational or topographical. Well, that's um, relevant. I, I think that is relevant because this is the time period where people were just first arriving from Europe. Yes. So that makes sense. So if it's topographical, it denotes one who lived at such a nook or corner where reeds for thatching grew. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, or it could have been from a place called Thackeray in the parish of Great Timble in West Yorkshire. See, that suggests to me whoever's writing this has done their homework. Yes. It's now been submerged in the Fuston Reservoir. There and we go. There we go. So probably no Thackeray Binks is in history, but there was a famous astronomer called David Thackeray. I don't know if that's a good fact, but there we are. So Thackeray, maybe you get half your jingle for that. <laughs> it's Jackie's fact. I do. Have, we've got better stuff. We've got better we stuff. Uh, shout out to uh, Salem, Massachusetts for looking gorge. Yes. That's on the bucket list. That definitely is. We should try and go there together if possible. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. For next spooky season. Yes. Record live. Okay, so yes, let's meet the Sanderson sisters. Yes. Let's meet them. Let's get straight into that. So there's three. Very important. Uh, We've got Winnie, who is played by Bette Midler. Who? Uh, she's in like she like samples on a Tom Waits album mm-hmm. in like the eighties. I don't know what else she's done. I think she did a travel show once. Something yeah, okay. about beaches. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, yes, Queen Bet Midler. Queen Bet Midler. Around mm-hmm. which this whole movie, I presume, was made. Frankly, I mean it's it's a thesis that we've had in a previous podcast that nobody is anywhere unless Bet Midler has precisely <laughs> demanded it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, um, we haven't done our shit synopsis no. yet, but I would say, now that I'm thinking about it, the one I prepared is different from the one that's in my head now, which is actually this entire movie is a, an extended cabaret act that features people around <laughs> Bette Midler. I think that's fine. I think that's better than either of the ones we actually have. So yeah. let's stick with that. That's so good. <laughs> she's just, she's the eldest and most powerful Sanderson sister. And for someone with not nearly enough Oscars, she is giving it everything she has. Oh my god, yes. 100%. And and everyone's energy, I presume, is just elevating to meet that. Yes. Well, actually, that brings me to a fact, because <gasps> Kathy Najimi is Mary Sanderson, mm-hmm. um, the next eldest sister, the middle sister, and she. I saw a behind-the-scenes interview with her where she was talking about how she was a Bette Midler stan <gasps> before she was ever... before she'd started acting or anything. She actually... So it was something like she actually hand-delivered somehow a letter to 
Bette Midler's house. Like she was up there in the fandom. So once she got this part in the film with Bette Midler, because her character has been written as like a bit of a suck up, she was like, this is great because I can just channel that. (laughs) I can channel how much I love this woman into this sisterly relationship because that's exactly what my character is (laughs) doing. I love that. That makes me really happy. I'm so happy for Kathy. <laughs> yeah. That's like... Like this was her dream come true. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even imagine. Like that would be like... Yeah. Oh no, I can I can No, I can imagine. It would be a dream come true as a performer to get to work with one of your idols. Mm-hmm. And good for her for being so yeah. brilliant because I think I'd just dissolve. Like, and then for being really upfront, really, no, I'm obsessed with I'm her. Obsessed. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me within the script yes. to be obsessed. <laughs> That was another great Jackie's fact. They all make such brilliant choices. Yeah. Um, and it's a wonderful cast. Yeah. And I mean, it is. I, I, I was sort of joking about the extended cabaret act, but also not because the plot is kind of ramshackle and thrown together around the three of them. Yeah. Like, it's just to see these three wonderful performers at the top of their game doing all this business and being brilliant like that's yeah that's what it is that's what this movie is it's yeah it's, it, it's so good so and then the third sister is sarah sanderson played by sarah jessica parker sjp uh, who had been in quite a few things at this point so i don't think it was a big break for any of them maybe Catherine kathy najimi was she it was sister act yes so the year before sister act was the year before okay, 1992 so was... and yes sgp is like I don't know if we've discussed her. We have discussed her before. We discussed her during... First Wives Club. First Wives Club, yeah. yeah. So she's uh, definitely a veteran mm-hmm. um, in many ways of stage and screen at this point. So this the, combining the three together was inspired. Yeah. And they all make such brilliant choices. The commitment that Kathy to Jimmy has performed and just like deciding to do that physical mouth thing. Yeah. And then staying with it for the whole movie. Yes. And SGP just doing their thing. <laughs> just doing well, their thing. There's there's actually more background to that as well that I found. Um, it's actually a very short documentary done by somebody that I found on YouTube called Disney Dave. Disney Dave. Disney Dave. And do you want um, to come on the podcast, Disney Dave? <laughs> I hope he does. But it was he. It had like just like it was almost like a super cut of like behind the scenes things and maybe what looked like it would have been DVD extras or something at the time. But so I had deleted scenes and behind the scenes interviews with cast. And one of the deleted scenes was Alison showing Max and Danny around the house. But she gives a little bit of background to the sisters. So that's why I bring it in here at this early stage because she explains that the three witches had different fathers. Oh. So there are a couple of references in the film to their mother and they're very reverent about their mother but you don't hear anything about their fathers. So Winnie, Bette Midler's father, was a warlock which explains why she's the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Kathy Najimi, Mary Sanderson's father, was a bloodhound, <laughs> full-on dog. An actual, actual dog. four-legged hound. Canine. Yes. <laughs> Great. Which is why I think maybe that's part of the mouth thing. It's why oh, she, she can barks smell. as well. She barks yeah. at people, she growls, and she can smell children. Oh, and okay. also, like, the loyalty thing as well. That's funny. Yeah. And then Sarah, SJP's dad, was the village idiot, quote-unquote village idiot, which I actually think is a little bit problematic okay. from the point of view of, like, she's shown continuously to be quite pervy and I don't know if there's maybe a bit of a problematic tie between people with learning disabilities and being pervy which is not right yeah that kind of like the way that disability is represented in media being not great 
True, but the village idiot was not necessarily somebody with a disability. Well, a learning difficulty. Or a learning, or a learning difficulty. The village idiot could just be a drunk. Or, oh, could it? Yeah, the village idiot could just be somebody who's just on the outskirts. Didn't necessarily... I mean, most commonly, yes, but it didn't necessarily have to be. Okay. But I do take your point. I just thought she was... Just, I just feel like Sarah Jessica Parker just somehow manages to embed that. She's very good. In most parts. She yes. does. Like, She's always boy mad. boy. Like, it's just, <laughs> just there all the time. I'm beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Not on that brand. I'm saying that she typecast herself. It was very yeah. on brand before it was, very it was her brand. It was, yeah. It's just always there. It was always lurking. Yeah. She was being very Samantha in this film. <laughs> She makes lots of great choices, but they're not choices that surprise me, mm. if that makes sense, because we see Sarah Jessica Parker's just got a particular style and a particular thing and energy about her where you see like her, her scream, like when she screams or when she laughs or when she does a certain thing. You see those little ticks or those little sounds yeah. in all of her characters, uh-huh. including Carrie, including First Wives Club. Yeah. Her, name, her character name escapes me right now. Do you know what Shelley. I mean? Like, Shelley. <laughs> well done. Do you know what I mean though? It's yeah. like there's just a there's an the innate squeals Yeah, there's an innate Sarah Jessica Parkerness that she brings to everything she does. Yeah. Oh, I think I it's one of her more likable roles. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it 100% is one of her more likable roles, which is hilarious. Which is because she's an actual murderer. Yeah, she's an actual <laughs> child murdering witch. Probably child molester. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't discriminate. No, she's <laughs> at all. It's, she's not a good person in this film. Yeah. But she's not that annoying. No. And that's possibly something to do with what we're talking about this like writing in the village idiot thing mm-hmm. into the background is like she's just bringing in a sort of element of clueless almost exonerates well, she liked, her I don't yeah, know I think I suppose without her then it would be Winnie setting about to murder as many children as possible with Mary helping and that would be the film so you kind of need Sarah there to just be silly and like be dancing about shouting dead man's toe yeah well the whole thing's interesting because what they're doing is they're playing on this traditional idea of the witch the haggard obsessed with youth living in the woods going to steal your children and grind them up and eat them Mm-hmm. trope but I've made it this comical cabaret family friendly thing so you don't none of them feel evil though in, though in actual fact of everything that we're drawing from to, to create the witches and to fear the witches is is really all really awful yeah. <laughs> bride of satan the whole bit it's all mm-hmm. there but this is not the time nor the podcast to unpack all of that as much as I could and would oh, love to yes <laughs> But yes, the Sanderson sisters are... And the, the other thing, that the, the rule of three as well, like... Yeah. All of that. It, it, there's, they're, they're drawing from a lot of, like, standard literary tropes around witches. Yeah. And one of them being a seductress is a thing. Yeah, that's true. Which I believe that Sarah is supposed to fulfil as well. Yes. Because she has her yabos out for most of it. Yeah, she's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So we've been introduced to them, and when we were introduced to them, they are they are ugly. They're haggard. Yes, they're quite old. They are, yeah, Aged. they're dusty. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to not be, which is why they have summoned Emily Binks, who is very calm throughout very all this. Calm. I, like this child, like is practically sedated. Well, well, does the song not do that? I assume it must. I think it does. We see it later yeah, in the film. Later the song film, seems so that to tracks. be yeah, because she's just like she's just sort of there. Yeah, very chill. So that's the "Come Little Children" song was actually composed by James Horner, not John Debney. 
Um, that friend from previous podcasts. Yes, because uh, he was originally going to do the soundtrack for this, but then uh, other commitments got in the way. Mm. And John Debney t- took over, but he had already written the Come Little Children series theme thing. So that was James Horner. So they kept it. That's good. What was he busy with, I wonder? Um, I had a look, and now I can't remember what it was, so it wasn't, it wasn't Titanic. Oh. <laughs> he had something like eight credits next to his name that year. Okay. He was busy. So he was a busy man. Yeah. Maybe he was taking some annual leave after Titanic. Yeah, Fair enough. As you would. I've put, my, I've put my out of office on today, and it feels great. And <laughs> if I was James Horner, and I was like, I know I said I'd do your film. I've done a jingle for The Sexy Witch. That's all I have the headspace for right now. I'm <laughs> sorry. You, I'm going to Spain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then fair enough, James. Fair enough. Good, no, good on you, Jim. content. Yeah. Um... So so she's there, they're trying to they're making their potion, they've got some dead man's toe in there, and Thackeray gets in the window and is sort of waiting for his moment he to is. foil them, which he does eventually. Yes, with much drama. Much, much drama. Um he's got gravitas. He does. He's got gravitas. SGP, as we have said, is very excited to see him. I'm gonna mm-hmm. do it again. A oh boy! Because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the book can fuck right off. That's one of my notes. Yeah. I hate the book. Hate it's book. a horrible little Not book. Not the book. Book. Yeah. Book can fuck off. I think it's the, that book and Mein Kampf are the two main ones that can just get to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, correct. And the art of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, top three books that can fuck right off. There we go. You heard it here first. Yeah, it looks like it's made out of the devil's foreskin and it's got an eye in the middle of it and I don't mm-hmm. like it. It's got fingers on the binding. Yeah, it's yeah. just... Although the only saving grace with Book is that Book does look like it's just fucking knackered and a bit fed up with all this. Yeah. I don't know where I'm getting that from. Just the way the eye looks, I'm like, oh, the Book's like, fuck's sake. I'm coming. I yeah. Whatever, what do you need? So, we'll let Book... Nah. No, book can fuck off. Yeah. Book can fuck right off. <laughs> book so, doesn't need us sticking up for him. No, book doesn't. Book's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Thackeray makes his big entrance. It's all very dramatic. He loves his little sister. His little mm-hmm. sister's getting their life source sucked out. That's dark. Yeah, there's child murder from the outset. And then, so they get him, so they make him watch his little sister's life force being sucked out of her. Pretty much. And then they turn him into a cat, or do they turn him into a cat first? It doesn't matter. They, they suck the life force out of Emily Binks. They turn Thackeray Binks into a cat. It definitely happens after because they do the break the bones and ba-ba-da just like this. And they're all pretty. Why isn't this a Broadway musical yet? I don't know. Because the director is a choreographer. Yes, Kenny Ortega. Yes. Yes. Newsies High School Musical. Dirty Dancing. Yes. He's this man is a talent. He all is. of the high school musicals. All of them. <laughs> he's a Disney guy. He's I think he's been doing the direction for like can't remember if it was the live action Little Mermaid or the live action Beauty of the Beast, but one of them mm-hmm. uh, when they did the concert version, sorry, not the live action films. Yeah, so he's he's the go to guy. And I think I read somewhere that he ha- he is like he's ready. Like he said openly, like, I'm ready. I will do I will do the Broadway musical just well, Call me. he'll be free because they haven't asked him to direct Hocus Pocus 2, which is in the works. I did not know that was in the works. It is in the, it is in the works, oh, Louise Oliver. Points to Jackie. The, <laughs> all three Sanderson sisters are on board. Mm. Um, they have read the script. Bette Midler has said the story's really good. It's about like three, I think it's about three sisters who 
this could be wrong, but I think it's about like, or it's like three young women or three teenage girls that accidentally awaken the Sanderson sisters again and then have to figure out how to prevent them from wreaking havoc. So I think it'll be really good, but they have not got, so all all three Sandersons are on board, but they've not asked Kenny Ortega to direct. It's the lady who directed 27 Dresses. Okay, Anne Fletcher. Anne Fletcher. She's got a certain type of movie. Okay, so she's, a, when when you, right, okay. As a director, she's got a certain type of movie, but she's a choreographer. And when you come down to her choreographer credits, holy shit. Oh, she, oh the, she did the proposal? Oh, that's a... That film is... That film has issues. <laughs> she B- choreographed Buff- fucking Boogie Nights. I'm seeing Buffy the Vampire Slayer there. Casper, Tank Girl, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Boogie Nights... Anastasia, Titanic. Oh, she's all that. Uh, we all know what scene they're talking about. Yeah, bring it on. What Buffy did she choreograph? Probably a lot of them. I mean, there's the one musical episode. I... Well, it might not have just been the I musical I guess there's episodes. Cheers and whatnot. Oh, there's a lot of stuff in the bronze, I guess. We are getting off track. We're getting off track, sorry. So Right, so anyway, so Kenny Ortega's not on the roster for Hocus Pocus 2. Sanderson, sorry. Well, to be um, fair, if they make it into a Broadway musical, as much as I know he is ready, he probably won't be the person to get that call. Maybe he would. I don't know. I don't know why I say that. I feel like it's just times have changed since 1994 and, you know, they might want somebody newer, fresher. Yeah. Fresh out of the box. Who knows? I hope he gets it. I hope he gets the call because he did very good. He good did. Job. Good job. Um, good job, Kenny. But there are a lot of scenes in the film where it's like they're, they're all sort of like very much like walking on beat and step oh yeah it's and very, it's very apparent that this has been directed by a choreographer yeah everything I'm, everything the sanderson sisters do is, is choreographed yeah it's, it's great yeah so yes so they turn thackeray into a cat mm-hmm. and then they get hung hanged <laughs> hung meat, hanged meat, meat is hung people are hanged people are hanged meat is hung okay so they get hanged i don't i re- vividly remember reading what the difference was and why and i don't know why I looked it up, but I was okay, a okay. I was a sinister child. She was alone and feeling things, <laughs> and she looked up the difference between hung and hanged. <laughs> and that's I it. I wonder who wronged you that day. <laughs> uh, so they are hanged. Um, hanged. And it's a great scene. The three of them do a little bit more business. They're very funny. They're yeah. super casual about it. Bet is being super sassy. Mm-hmm. It's a great scene. Uh, although I have to say, it's up there when when they hang them. I am a bit like, oh, that's yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty it's intense. Quite bad. Yeah, because yeah. and everyone's there to watch, mm-hmm. and they do like the the. It's quite a jarring moment because they are sing, they sing at the sun. They yeah. do like the notes. And then it just gets cut off, and you just yeah. see their and feet see dangling, their feet. Yeah. and people start to just sort of like file away. Mm-hmm. And it is—it's quite a bleak, quite a bleak scene. Well, there's something about the imagery you don't see it, but when you see feet hanging, there's something mm-hmm. quite—I've always found that disturbing. Mm-hmm. In whatever context, mm-hmm. comedy or not, <laughs> like it's like yeah, you've hung someone. Someone is—you've hanged someone. <laughs> you hung the stake. You hanged. You hanged the women. The women. <laughs> The hanged women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite dark. And then also there's the extra little gut punch of Cat Binks going to... Because who's, whose dad has just 
sort of pled with the witches to tell him where his son is. Yeah. Um, with um, Binks's dad, and Binks goes up to his dad and rubs against his legs, and his dad shoes him away. That's um, really sad. And, and again, apparently there were deleted scenes. There's like little storyboard bits of like the cat having to like watch his family all die. Oh my as god! As he went through the ages. <laughs> Oh my Which god! Which was originally going to be in this children's film. I'm really glad. <laughs> Which has know. already had child murder and hangings. Yeah, hangings. So this was this film was very nearly like this film very nearly walked so up could run. Oh like, my god! Yeah, that's a whole separate short film. Like, yeah, not a Pixar short because that's, a, that's, like, that's that's got Tim Burton written all yeah, over it. Yeah, that's a separate <laughs> Tim Burton short. Oh Jesus! Yeah, the tra- the tragedy of Thackeray Binks. It's very sad. I think from that point forward, we arrive in Massachusetts, nineteen ninety three. We can't even say that's current day. That's twenty eight years ago. <laughs> Jackie, <laughs> sorry, that was aggressive <laughs> and uncalled for, and I. Thought we were friends. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Maybe Twenty-eight just years ago. Yeah, oh, that explains my back pain. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's oh. it's very upsetting. Christ, this is an old film. This is not an old film. <laughs> I'm actually really thrown. Hang on, where are we? Right, so we're twenty-eight years later in 1993. In fairness, it was three hundred years later for the film. For us or for them? Who are we talking it's about? <laughs> I don't even know the anymore. The film is set 300, 300 years. years ago. <laughs> 300 years ago. The film is an equal amount between now and the late 1600s. Having a panic attack. <laughs> it's okay, I'm all right, I'm centred. You were young, you were full of possibility. It's fine. Here we go. Woo! Uh, so, yes, we arrive in class. In class. Class. In, in, in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, and we meet Max... Cool Max. Cool Max and his tie-dye. And his tie-dye. And it's like, psh. And it's, and it's whatever. Yeah. He's from California. <laughs> He's from Cali. Which the tie-dye should have told you, but we'll bring it up directly in the script just in case you didn't get it from the tie-dye. <laughs> if it's not his tie-dye, it's his laid-back attitude. <laughs> also, this teacher is telling... So the way that this is sort of framed is that we come from uh, 1600s and the hanging of the Sanderson sisters into the classroom as though the teacher has been telling this story the whole time because they are mm. in class and mm. the teacher's dressed as a witch. And that's all fun and I'm here for it, but I'm also a bit like, is this in the curriculum? Like, I mean, in fairness, both to uh, the teacher mm-hmm. and, the, and the decision... It technically, if you if you're living in Salem, it's technically history. So yeah. actually, you are learning something. But also, I kind of wish we took Halloween as seriously as America. It's the best holiday. It is the best. It was always my favorite when I was wee. Like, they, and we, they went all out for it. Like, we had a Halloween parade at school, and there was like you would give Halloween cards to people in your class, and mm-hmm. everyone like it was somebody would be having a big Halloween party. People used to do, like mazes in their basements. Love it. Where they would get like the older kids, like so people, if people had like, big brothers and sisters, they would dress up and like scare the little kids. Very hallmark. I love yeah. it. So um, Halloween in America, particularly the East Coast. Yes, because as indicated by Max and his complete indifference, yeah. borderline, you know, scorn. Yeah. Apparently in California, Halloween, not so much a thing. Well, they don't really have sweater weather in California. No, just tie dye. Tie dye weather all year round. Yeah. So Max, who was originally meant to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio, but he turned it down to go and 
be in Gilbert Grape. Fair enough. Could have been a different movie. Could have been a well, different movie. Imagine. Well, maybe. Don't know. Yeah, Max is like full of scorn and everyone's like delighting in the story of the Sanderson sisters, which I assume they've heard a thousand times before, except Max. And and then his uh, 25-year-old schoolmate, Alison. <laughs> I look, so I looked, it was like, she, is, she was 17 when she made this. No. She was a full-on teenager, because so I was like, that woman is my age. <laughs> that woman right there, that <laughs> woman right there. No, she was She was actually one of the only age-appropriate actresses of her time. Like, she was actually 17. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Right. Cool. Well, I can understand then why Max just decided to shoot a shot. Yep, again. she just looked great. <laughs> Give her his number, because, like, she I was like, that is... That is a 25-year-old woman with a mortgage and a credit card sitting in this classroom here. That's a... She's a teenager. She's a real one. Well, she she gives uh, Max a bit of a dressing down in terms of his bad attitude Mm -hmm. and gives him an education on Halloween because he claims it's made up by the card companies. Oh, no, the candy companies. Yeah. Made up by the candy company. And she's like, actually... It's the celebration of All Hallows' Eve, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, spirits walk the earth. And then for some reason, the entire class applauds. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're all Halloween nerds. Because studying is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> As we have learned <laughs> these past few weeks. Um, so, yeah, then, like, apropos of nothing, which you have said in your notes, so I will hand this to you. Uh, he decides... He, he, he reads that a little differently than a dressing down. Yeah, so she has... Really, just like emba- I would say, embarrassed him, like fully, yeah, as you say, like dressed him down in front of the whole class. And he, his response to this is to again in front of the entire class walk over to her desk and give her his landline telephone number, and then just, just seem like that acts like that's like, a normal thing to do. Yeah, and he does it with not even an like the tiniest bit of doubt. No, just- like. They just they just grow them a little bit more self confident in California. Yeah, apparently. what does he say? To, he was like he says something to her, but as well that is just so like he really thinks that she's gonna call him, and it's yeah, it's next level. It's very confident. I mean, and I, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I I like it for him, and I wish I had half that confidence. Yeah. honestly, there's something slightly refreshing about Max. And his confidence, actually. Yes. And, you know, maybe, dare I say, emotionally available. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. I don't care if everyone's laughing at me. And, okay, maybe I don't get this Halloween stuff, but you seem into it. And I dig that. And also, I guess, you know, there's something to be said for Max not being put off by the fact that this woman knows more than him. Yeah. If anything, he found it a turn on. Which is great. (laughs) Yeah. Which is great. And he's given, and he's still, and he is also not trying to take any power away from her. He's leaving the ball very much in her court. And is quite, is is sitting there willing to be rejected, told no. Mm -hmm. Well, like. Yeah, I guess so. Well, it it doesn't become apparent until later that I think he was not expecting a no. No, he was not. I think he thought that was like, there you go. Yeah. Sign sealed, delivered. Yeah, so maybe yeah, have I read that wrong? No, I don't think you've read it wrong. I still I still think it's impressive that Max has that amount of confidence uh, mm-hmm. for a young man his age when most depictions of teenage boys in in cinema and TV is that they're crippled by their own self-doubt and anxiety. Yeah. Whereas he's much more like hey. <laughs> but not quite in a if for anyone who needs to know that was there were finger, finger guns. guns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's 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 only sullied a little by knowing from what happens in the next scene 
when he gets KB'd because yeah. she hands the number back to him. And yeah. he's like, what? <laughs> that didn't work? <laughs> that always worked in California. I, like, shit talked to her hometown. I told her everything she thought was stupid. I demonstrated that I'm really into conspiracy theories. And, and then I gave her my number. Like, what, <laughs> what could have possibly gone wrong? Um, yeah, because then he catches up with her after class and Just says to her, this... I didn't, he says to her, I didn't mean to embarrass you in class. And yeah. like, what class were you in? Yeah. She got a round of applause. Yeah, and she, uh, yeah, totally. And she's like, you didn't. <laughs> but, uh. But that's very that's sweet. fine. Yeah. yeah. You dropped your red pill. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so that's all. Uh, but you know a very strong crush has been born for him and she gives him his number back and goes on her way with her cool red with her um, very cool red hood very don't look now yeah (laughs) marching through the foliage (laughs) yeah Uh, 17 turning 25 Mm -hmm. um turning aged murderer yeah in venice and then uh, and then Max, you know, in true nineties movie fashion, gets on his bike. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> both literally told. Both, both literally and figuratively gets on his bike. And uh, and uh, hoofs it through the stunning neighborhood with mm-hmm. these beautiful houses and this gorgeous foliage and I and I am obsessed. And then and then encounters your classic movie bully. Yeah. Bullies, plural. Jay and Ice. I don't know, Jay and Ice, Jay and, I don't know. Ernie. Ernie, who now goes now by Ice. Goes by Ice. Uh, who is Larry from Buffy. Yeah, well spotted. Oh, well like, spotted. I that guy. Um, so they're the bullies, they steal Max's shoes, and just sort of like, um, I don't know, just they just highlight themselves as people to probably have something bad happen yeah. to them later. They're, they're plot points. Yes. Yeah. Bully's going to bully. Um, although I am never like it never ceases to amaze me the way that bullies are depicted in American TV and film because I'm always a bit like really? you can't get away with that yeah like you can't take a person's shoes you can't take his shoes but then you know they, they do just had a very bullies sh- do sh- they do they're just a very sheltered <laughs> upbringing clearly I'm just too cool to be bullied Louise <laughs> cute yeah so this is when it takes a turn for Max his confidence is a little knocked and he gets a little angsty he's had a wee bad day yeah so this is double so he's been kind of emasculated by Alison at least once in his perception (laughs) twice at least twice in ours everyone else has chalked it up to twice but yeah Yeah. Um, she's she's been burning him all day (laughs) (laughs) then he gets his shoes stolen then he comes into his house and is like, having Ugh. a real moment to himself in his bedroom. He comes past his parents, who I love, by the way. Shout yeah. out to Max's parents. Uh, dad is hot. Mum's hot too. Love the parents. They're great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he has... Oh, he goes up to his room and before he goes into his room, he just, like, leans against the door and then fist bangs it. Oh, yeah. You know, because... <laughs> real... He's giving Thackeray thanks a run for his money he in this sure scene. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and I have a lot to yeah. say about this next. Well, not a lot to say, but I, I have, think we have some s- things mm. to say about this next scene. Because he's we're it's setting it's basically setting the it's just setting a it's just making it clear to us that despite the fact that he's been KB'd by Alison, he's holding a black flame. <laughs> 
and which only he can light which only he can light <laughs> and uh, yeah and in this depiction in this disney film he's uh-huh. just having a cuddle with his a pillow with his pillow saying just having a nice chat with her saying telling her how soft she is calls, and calls the pillow allison specifically yes. and in if this was real life mm, i think it would have gone quite differently it would have gone quite differently and his little baby eight-year-old sister is hiding in the closet. And she, I think she would have, in in real in the real life, she would have lived to regret that. Absolutely. Possibly discuss it in therapy. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but as it, like we both grew up with brothers. You with yeah. a big brother, me with a little brother. The teenage years are bad. You do not go in that room without knocking. You do not go in the room without knocking. You certainly do not go in and hide in the closet. I would... I, my, I mean, my big brother is a very nice man, and I just dread to think what. Oh would've. yeah. I just don't know if. You just like it was. It was in reverse for me because I have a little You're brother, older, yeah. and I was older. Those t- that t- that gap is hard. We have a three and a half year gap. So when I started becoming a teenager, he was still he was still Danny. He was still an eight year old kid mm-hmm. who wanted to play. He never hid in my closet because he he was smart. But yeah. like <laughs> that is a tough time. And yeah, you, I guess you learn pretty quickly. Just leave your angsty teenage. I mean, I never learned the alone. hard way or anything. But um, no, no, neither did I. But, but it was kind just of like there's suddenly a gulf where there wasn't a gulf. So my brother's yeah. two years older than me, and you just kind of get it's like, oh, he's being really, he's like a bit grumpy, um, and yeah, just it's it's just a different thing. It's like, all right, so I'm still being a child, and he's not really quite one now. Yeah, and we're not getting along as well and then it kind of comes and then you're kind of when you're both teenagers you kind of have that it's like okay we're both teenagers sometimes we hate each other but then sometimes we can completely unite against everybody else yeah and then there's also a point where he's kind of past it and I'm still right in the depths of the adolescence Mm -hmm. and he's acting all big like he was never a dick and, <laughs> and then at that point you're like you're the worst <laughs> yeah. and that la- that thankfully only lasted like six months and then it was, it was like oh we're six gonna, months we're friends again oh, no, that lasted good. way more than that but we could, we generally got on pretty well i mean i think we never had periods where we just didn't like each other at all but like there was definitely periods yeah where you're not in the same place in your development yeah. at all and and that, that that this movie is trying to show that it's just doing it in a very disney way where they are still pals yeah and i think like i was never not pals with my brother and i'm sure that's the same for you it's just that when there is that kind of age <laughs> yeah when there is that age gap it's just yeah. you just like you say you just arrive in two yeah. drastically different points of time mm-hmm. and with with teenage boys it's just you just you just don't go in their room because you, you just, know you yeah just you know, know what's going on in there they just or you know what could be and it's just not worth the risk and vice versa so danny and max yeah. are cute they are he they comes are around to i mean agree. of course he does yeah it is ultimately a movie about siblings as well like, yeah there's two sibling relationships that are at the core of the movie and yeah. propel the plot and he does love her and and it's She's Danny is sort of a pain in the neck, but she's yeah. also she just thinks her big brother's really cool and that's yeah. really sweet. She wants to spend time with him ultimately. She does. She does, yeah. and it's really, really sweet. <laughs> He's just too busy being angsty. I'm gonna go play the drums now and now I'm gonna now I'm gonna say like the old days are dead. I'm like, Alright, Max, calm yeah. down. It's okay. You seemed so stable before. <laughs> like <laughs> try and try and get a grip. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so they set off to go trick-or-treating. Danny's dressed up as a witch mm-hmm. and Max is dressed up as, quote-unquote, a rap singer. 
is he though? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not convinced. Um, which is ridiculous. But I get there's another. There was a, supposed to be a montage here where he turns up at different people's houses, and every time he's asked what he is, he gives a different answer. Oh, okay. That... Which is, so like at one point, it's like I'm Jack Nicholson's nephew or something like. It's just he has like. Re- that would have conv- been fun. Yeah, it would have, and it would explain why he's like. It, <laughs> Rather than him actually thinking he looks like a rap singer. When in fact he actually looks a bit like a troubled divorcee. Like yes. Like... I don't see a huge difference between that and the outfit he was wearing previously. <laughs> Apart from it's not tie-dye. Is he yeah. dressed as someone from Massachusetts? He's got like a cap and Ray-Bans and a bomber jacket. He looks like he's scoping out his ex-wife's house or is like going through an alleyway. Or to, a like... divorce. Yeah, <laughs> just a divorce. He looks like a guy who's going through a divorce. Um, um, so yeah, so, so he has that thing, which actually, so we kind of go through that there's trick-or-treating happening and we know that the parents are going out for the night, which we'll get to later. Love that for them. Yes. And there's a short scene where the bullies appear and they're taking all the kids' candy and Danny kind of sticks up to them after Max being like, let's just, like, let's just go a different way. And she announces, they say something about his costume and she goes, he's a little leaguer. That makes more sense given and what you've just yeah, so actually said, that makes so, that yeah. line make sense. I'm like, but he's he's, he's a, a rap singer. He's a Danny. rap singer. <laughs> you can't. Okay, you can't just change it. Uh, but yeah. it's basically it's not actually that he is either of these. It's just he's actually not dressed up as anything, and he's not into it. He's not into the whole shebang. I would like to say at this juncture, I would absolutely still go trick or treating if I thought I could get away with it. Mm-hmm. There should be a. There should be somewhere where adults can go trick or treating. There should be an adult version of you this. You can come trick or treating at my house. Maybe we should make that a thing amongst our friends. Like, I like don't know. if we can get enough people into it, and like half half can trick or treat and half host host. Yeah. Or we could just have a Halloween party. I think that's the adult version <laughs> of this, isn't it? Yeah. Sigh. <laughs> yeah. No. Actually, now that I think about it. Considering how much I'm like, let's just get an Uber. Maybe trick or treating is not actually something I would enjoy as an adult. <laughs> you have to walk. You can't really drink, <laughs> unless you. that's the treat. Unless like some of our like some of our friends would come to the door with bowls full of miniatures. Yeah, or like, trays of shots. Yeah, like there <laughs> we go. Be, that'd actually be great. We're gonna have um, to all start living a bit closer to each other, though. Absolutely. And then they so, decide. So Allison's party. Allison's party. So they decide to go into the fancy house, which is. A very fancy house. It's mm-hmm. up there with the um, the house in Home Alone. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, our medical correspondent, Dr. Richard Kennedy, has a picture of himself and his fiance outside that house. His fiance. His fiance. Congratulations, you guys. <laughs> um, they've been. They were outside the house. Took a wee picture a few years ago. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Where is the house? Were they in Salem? It's in Salem. Yeah. Oh, there was. Absolute extra bitches. I love them. I know. <laughs> I'm very jealous. So Alison's party is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Utterly ridiculous. And a I different, love it. Obviously in a different section of the Salem society than they're at the party that Max's parents are at. Well, <laughs> I feel like Max's parents are cool. Yeah, they're at, like... Well, I don't know. They're just, like, a nice... I don't know. They're at SWG3 or something. Yeah, I don't they're, the, they're the subby. <laughs> yeah. They're the sub club. Um... Yeah, this is a uh, this is fine. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. 
but it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, but you like know that the mayor's there, and like oh for sure the the equivalent. I bet I bet Alison can trace her family back to like sixteen hundred Salem. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They weren't being accused of no they witchcraft. Were, were, yeah, no one was accusing <laughs> nobody, but people were lighting fires. They were doing all the hangings. Yeah, all the hungs. <laughs> all the hungings. Uh, Alison walks down the, the stairs in this ridiculous dress, looking spectacular. Yeah. With her yabos. Um, oh, gosh. I don't think we should spend much time on ya- on the... <laughs> It's a to- it's, it's this is a horrible awful. scene. It's awful. It's awful. It's up there with the, the it's the it's there's no there's no etiquette between these two. Danny has absolutely no understanding of brother sister. Your brother's a teenager and you're not etiquette here. No. Like and Yabo's is a crime. It, as a word it's a crime. It's a word, yeah. It's just ridiculous. And Danny knows it's a crime. She fucking does know. She fucking does. You excuse me for swearing twice there, but she absolutely knows that she's a little shit. She is being a little shit, and he's he is doing her a favor this evening. Oh, and Alison takes it in her stride. She takes it really well. Yeah, yeah. We do like we we like Alison and Max. They're both dealing with it very maturely at this yeah. point. Um, because you know, I maintain that Thora Birch, who plays Danny, is great in this. Like she is. She's a great actress. She's a great actress. Yeah, and um. She is giving us a a very wry, very funny mm-hmm. pain in the arse. Yeah, Danny, yeah, and it she's works. She's a little sasspot. Yeah, um, but I miss Thora Birch. I think she got. I think she went in a wee bit of a huff when Scarlett Johansson got more famous than her. Oh. And I'm not just saying that to be shady. I think that's actually legit. Really, out there somewhere. Yeah, like I I didn't make that up. Like, I do remember when Ghost World came out being like, oh, it's Thora Birch and some and this other girl. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking I that. What like, happened I don't to know her. who she is. Yeah. Well, poor thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, well, I think it was, and I think it was partly because this is not, no shade on Thora Birch, but I think she was hyped to be the next big thing mm. as well. But it, just, think- it was just one of those things that Scarlett Johansson just ended up being the do one. You- yeah. But I could, again, this is all... Who the fuck knows? Like, yeah. They might they be besties. Who knows? They might be. I hope so. I hope they are. So what comes out of this horrible scene with the Yabos is that um, Max... So it turns out Alison's mum used to run the Sanderson Sisters Museum, which is in the Sanderson Sisters' old house. Yeah. And... Um, which, by the way, is a great bit of economical script writing. Yes. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> And so it closed because all these spooky things kept spooky happening. Spooky things, yeah. I wonder um, how long spooky things were going on before they decided to close it. I know. And what they were. Yeah. They just Apparently, put up like, with, like... There's a cat, which, I mean, for some of us, isn't a deterrent to visiting think, a museum. Do you think the spooky things was just the cat in the corner going, get out of here! Burn it to the ground! And they were just so, like, we couldn't get rid of this talking cat. It was like a talking cat, but it was like, but also there's just a, a very significant amount, like, section of society that'd be like, there's a talking cat, you say. Where? How much are flights? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, there's a missed opportunity here if, in fact, it was like just the ca- Thackeray. The cat people would people. have been there in their droves with truckloads of dreamies <laughs> ready to live their best lives so I don't know what these spooky things were because as far or like just like a book where the eye opens every so often like who cares yeah books just like ugh tourists uh, okay <laughs> so but anyway so spooky things were happening Max sort of sees his in he gets a little bit of his energy back and says why don't we go see it Alison 
decides to patch the party and go with the two of them. Danny is actually not up for doing it. Um, no. In fact, in my opinion, she's the voice of all women mm-hmm. in many ways by saying, can't you just take her out to the fucking movies like a normal person? <laughs> yeah. She it, doesn't swear, yeah. but it's implied. In fairness, this is the first conversation Max has had with Alison where she's not taking the piss out of him or rejecting him. So he's going with it. He's going with the thing that seems to be working. Yeah, she's into it. She, yeah. Yeah, it's her thing. So, but I'm with Danny. I'm like, I'm with, can, we, yeah. like can we not stay at the nice party with the cider and the big bowl of treats? Like, okay, fine. I'm with Danny. I am with yeah. Danny. Um, but I'm also, I'm also with Max. Um, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. He's... he's Stupid little virgin. Dating is hard, okay? <laughs> sometimes you just have to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. Fair enough. And sometimes you accidentally resurrect three murderous witches. Sometimes you Only just have a good... Only if you're a virgin. Yes. No virgins here, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, when we're in our 30s, it would be, be kind of weird. Yeah, that would be a whole other podcast. Um, so, yeah, so they go to the Sanderson's house... Um, and and behave like a bunch of stupid little virgins. Quite frankly, that's what happens. Uh, I I I don't normally get on board with virgin shaming, but in this context, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna yeah. shame you for being a stupid little virgin. You shouldn't have been such a virgin about it. Yeah. <laughs> this could all have been avoided had you not said it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Uh, uh, he says the name of the baby. <laughs> And then he lights the candle and is like, oh, that, that flame's black. And he lights the candle with his fucking Zippo. Like, yeah. Like, oh, hey, look look at me. I'm James Dean. It's just it's too much, Max. It's too yeah, much. Yeah, it's too much. So he does that, all the lights, because the black flame candle sucks in light. Oh. So that's why all the lights go off. It sucks it all in to it. Cool, cool, cool. And then it kind of calms down for a bit everyone's a bit alarmed and he's like what happened there and Danny's like a virgin lit the black flame candle (laughs) (laughs) she's so sassy she's very sassy so I think actually there's a thing where like Binks actually can't speak until the black flame candle is lit oh okay because there have been people who've like pointed out a plot hole before but like why didn't you just like tell his dad it was him etc but I think it was like something about like oh, lighting yeah, the candle sort of makes yeah. the magic able to happen again. Yeah. And then we have witches start to reappear mm-hmm. and they're very excited to be back. Mm-hmm. They find Danny, I think. Yeah, there's a great little bit of strategy from Danny where she decides to just pop up and be like, I summoned you, sisters. And she's giving the whole, like, yeah, she's like I'm a little witch too. I'm a witch too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's adorable. Yeah, and then they immediately start talking about eating her. Yeah. And Mary calls her a shishka baby. Shishka baby. <laughs> but it's all very cute. The business is great. They all react to her brilliantly. And then Bette Midler's giving it all, like, so tell me, dumpling. And she's got, like, she grabs her by the arm and, like, they walk along together and it's all just very... I mean, it's all sinister. They have, yeah. they they know she's not a witch, and they're ready to eat her, eat her, or <laughs> drain her still, life force yeah. if they need to. But yes, still eat her seems cute. to be the first thing. Yeah, and then can't remember what happens, but Danny's in sort of peril. Max turns up. Sarah immediately says her lines. A boy. <laughs> And asks if she can play with him again. Like like she's always asking if she can do this, and it's not. It's not. It's not the best. Um, um, but she is she evil. Does, she is evil. 
lest we forget. Yeah. And um, they are the baddies. They so. are the baddies, but they all get they get out of there. And this is when Binks reveals himself as a chatty cat. A chatty cat, yeah. And scratches Max in the face, saying, "You're a fucking Stupid idiot, virgin." <laughs> Follow me. And then he takes him into a graveyard because it's hallowed ground and the witches can't get in there. Yes. And Thackeray Binks is played by Jason Marsden, who is the hardest working voice actor of the 90s. Oh, I know, because I looked up his IMDb and I saw something that would very much please you because it's where Little Giants is my special film. Mm-hmm. He is in your special film. He is. Yes. <laughs> He's, he plays Max Goof in a Goofy movie. <laughs> Well remembered. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's like like Jason Marsden is one of those actors that just popped up in everything in the nineties. Like he's one of those kid actors, Boy mm-hmm. Meets World, and right. all of those things. Who's he in Boy Meets World? He is. I can't remember the character names, but you... he's not boy. No. <laughs> nor is he world. <laughs> he's neither the boy nor the world. Nor Topanga. Or Top- Topanga. <laughs> what a name. Honestly, it's right up there with Thackeray. Topanga. Uh, so who was he in Boy Meets He was Jason oh. in Boy Meets World. He was nine episodes worth of Boy Meets World. And then, yeah, so he's more well known as a voice actor. Okay. He was in Spirited Away and he was also in The Lion King 2 ah. as Kovu, which is the goth version, the emo version of Simba. Right. Basically. I haven't actually seen Lion King 2. It's actually remarkably popular. Oh. Weirdly. Anyway, Jason Marsden, the main point. Because he's not not the face of Thackeray Binks, is he? No, he's not the face of Thackeray Binks. He's the voice of Thackeray Binks. That's the main link, is that he is the voice of Max Goof in a Goofy movie. Which we will will do eventually. We will be covering Goofy movie and Little Giants at some point in the life of our podcast. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, he (laughs) gives the stupid virgin a telling off. Yeah. Then sisters are kind of left to themselves. There's kind of a. Is it like the, it's like the police turn up or something, or the fire, the fire department? Or, because because um, oh, Max sets, Max off, the sets off the sprinklers. And yeah. Gives it the whole dramatic rain of death. Rain thing. of death. Yeah. And then they're all very funny with it. They're very dramatic. They're they just do the most with everything. They're, they're so, so good. There's just. Can you imagine if they just hired crap witches? Which they never would have. They would never have. And I don't know if those exist because and, and if they had, witch this movie would never. Play. We we wouldn't know about this movie. We wouldn't be talking about it right it's now. It's so good. Um, um, but there's a bit where they're like hiding and Winnie's like scheming, Mary's trying to get a cuddle and Sarah's like eating a spider. Eating a spider. <laughs> and then Winnie starts choking Mary. Yeah. Oh, because there's that, there's that bit earlier of jumping all the way back but there's that hilarious scene that when the townspeople come upon their house 600 years ago just after they've sucked the life force out of Emily Binks and they're like, we know you're in there. Like, no, no, we're just having a quiet night and doing nothing. What are we doing? Sucking the life out of children. <laughs> like, like, it's just so funny. I like how you said 600 years there because there was six, there was 300 years between Thackeray Binks and the 90s and then 300 years between then and now. Yeah. 600 years 600 total. 600 years total. <laughs> yeah, so the fire department turn up. Yes. And, um... Then there's just a bit of like general panic about what what is going on. They they have this great bit of business and from this point forward where they're kind of like trying to adjust to the modern yeah. world. Where they don't know it's like they don't know that a road is a road. A they road think it's a, a river, yeah. so like they push Sarah in. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's another classic SGP scream when they push yeah. her. 
Which uh, we then see so many times in Sex and City, probably more so as the series goes yeah, on. Yeah, it's a but thing. It's, it's her patented it, squeal. It's an inherent SGP acting tick. I'm I'm it's being just, adorable yeah. and alarmed. Yeah, so we get a bit of, it's firm as stone! And she's like, firm as stone, firm as stone, jumping about. <laughs> And, uh, we get a little bit of Thackeray gives them like his sort of backstory gives them the exposition that we need them to have so they're brought up to date in the graveyard then they sh- turn up we end up with Billy Billy Butcherson Billy, Billy Butcherson Butcher. who is Winnie's ex-boyfriend but she poisoned him and sewed up his mouth because he was consorting with her sister Sarah and uh, he is played by Doug Jones who's the fish man from The Shape of Water yep Doug he's- Jones yep so he's, if you're watching any Guillermo del Toro film and there's a spindly man in a suit, it's probably Billy Butcherson. Yeah, is he's another one of Hollywood's hardest working people. He's in everything uh, where you need someone tall to be in special effects makeup. He's also in Pan's Labyrinth. He's mm-hmm. the eye guy. Yeah, eyes for I, hands. Eyes for hands, hands for eyes. eyes. <laughs> his hands are his eyes and his eyes are his, his hands. hands. <laughs> and uh, he's also in um, Hellboy mm-hmm. as another aquatic fish type hmm. person he's in so many things i love doug jones he's, he's like typecast but not yeah he's <laughs> he's amazing like he is like he seems to be as well such a lovely lovely man mm. he, he has, works very hard he has said he has not been asked to be in the in the sequel but he is like up for it i, I have no doubt i think the quote i read was he's keeping his knees bent in case the call comes <laughs> so he's sort of chasing the kids they run into the crypt with Binks and Mary at this point suggests that they form a calming circle. I love this bit so much. <laughs> Everything about it is so relatable. Yeah. <laughs> for 2021. And their happy thoughts are rabid bats, black death, and mummy's scorpion pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the preamble to it as well. Like, I am calm! Like, yeah. Sister, I don't think you're being very honest with yourself, now are you? <laughs> like, it's just great. It's great. It's all good. They're all the best. They are brilliant. And it's, I think this is just, it's a film where these are the three baddies, but they're just all so dang likeable. Yeah. And you're, there's a part of you that's just rooting for them. Disney does this very well, though. Like, yeah. can you name a Disney baddie that you don't actually like as much as you, or if not more, like, you than know your main protagonist? because it's Disney that they're going to lose. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't have to invest super hard in their suffering. Yeah. Is that what it is? I think, yeah, I think it's that. And it's also the Disney villains, with the exception of perhaps the older ones, like when we're talking like Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Snow White, where it is a a case of pure good versus evil, where they're just like an archetype. But, you know, Disney as we know it, our Disney, the villains are great. Ursula, Hades, Scar. Yeah. Like, they're all brilliant. They're all yeah. arguably more interesting yeah, and more Cruella. fun. Cruella. Cruella, yeah. yeah. More fun than the people you're meant to be rooting for. Yeah. Jafar. They're the Come people on. that, like, if I was if I was an actor, they're the, they're the they're ones the you want. They're the parts you want to play. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Disney does good villain. They do. 
but there's also I'll put this in the show notes because it was a I listened to it on I was I had to do something for a long time the other week and I listened to this three-parter of a podcast called Revisionist History that looks at periods in history and kind of looks at things that could have been done better or differently and they have a three-parter on The Little Mermaid uh, specifically Disney's Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and they talk about how Disney changed fairy tales to always and this is relevant to Hocus Pocus because it's a Disney film but like in Disney films they have taken on the more modern version of a fairy tale where good things always happen to the goodies and the bad things always happen to the baddies mm. and in older like when you go back in time and the fairy tales like for instance the original Little Mermaid it doesn't have a happy ending because the writer wasn't a very happy man and it was about yeah. like uh, yeah, he. I mean, Hans Christian Andersen was a deeply troubled person. Yeah, and the original Little Mermaid is grim, very grim. <laughs> but there were a lot of older, like fables and tales that were about kind of like the lazy son kind of lucking into marrying the princess, and it was just mm. kind of like the morals of the story tended to be a little bit more like, well, shit happens, and you can't really control it, and people sometimes get things they don't deserve, and like the little match girl dies, and the little Mary dies, and like this person like did absolutely nothing, was mean to the old lady, and he's fine now. Yeah. And um, they f- did this experiment. Actually, no, I'm not going to ruin it. I'm just going to link it, but it's a really good series of three. But it was about how Disney have kind of piggybacked on that, and now the backlash is coming because there's like a thing about how children actually get anxious if. The whole, like, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people has made us all real anxious mm. because then when bad things happen to us, we think it's because we're bad. Interesting. I like that. Which, because is, why, which is why every millennial is, is in or needs therapy. It's Disney's fault, is basically what it's you're basically saying. It's basically Disney's exactly fault. Disney's fault. Um, I mean, Disney is our fairy tale. Yeah. Disney is our brother's grim. It's our Hans Christian yeah. Andersen. It's the way we consume those kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, we will move off this in a minute because yeah. obviously this is a whole other um, hour's worth of chat, I'm sure. Yeah. What Disney does with their villains as well is it hints at backstory. Yeah. Just it plays with it, it teases it. Like there's, oh, there's something... something Something's happened there. Something's happened why there. Does, why does Scar hate Mufasa so much? Yeah. Like, what, what's the deal with Ursula? Why is she so bitter? Why is she relegated from the kitchen? Yeah, do, yeah. From the kitchen. She's from the bad. Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jackie, what's wrong right. with you today? Uh, <laughs> um, Ursula's been banned from the kingdom. Yeah. By Triton. So, like, what's what's going what's on she there? Do? Like, is she? Yeah. There's there's questions. There are mm-hmm. follow up questions that remain unanswered. Yeah. And I think that contributes to what you're talking about because it's like there is something there. We just don't ever get to see it we just ride along with the yeah there's a lot I I can't recommend it enough there are bits in it that are so amazing and I want to say what they were but I don't also don't want to ruin it for you because it's such a treat to come across so I will put it in the show notes and it's just please listen to it we should give them a shout out on our social meds as well what I will say on that note though before we move off this topic is that where this movie differs is that yes the villains are the most likeable characters in the whole thing but this movie is an island in that sense because this is not about storytelling this is about a vehicle for three very talented actors (laughs) like that's all this is I come back to my synopsis of it being an extended cabaret act because it is (laughs) you're right Um, it's not about whether or not anything makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's just to see these three be the best. Yeah. That's literally it. Which we get a lot of now as we as we move away from that moment. Because this the next sort of section of the movie is the kids run off to figure out how to, you know, fix Max having been a stupid virgin and causing all of this havoc. Uh, they're running off to the party, I think, at this point. 
uh, where their mum and dad are. And yeah. whilst that's happening, <laughs> the Sanderson sisters are navigating Halloween. They're just having a wee odyssey <laughs> for themselves. Wee odyssey, yeah. So they get the bus. Um, oh God, the bus driver. The bus driver is a is not a nice man. <laughs> he's not, but like I have to give this actor a shout out. He's I doing like, the most. He's doing the most, and he does a, he does a great job. Yeah. Like. And again, I just like would like to think that's an actor who's got this like one scene part where he's like, okay, I've got a film in a kids movie. Bette Midler's in it. I'm gonna just do it. I'm gonna Listen, really do I it. I must have told you this before. What I call this is putting some jam on it. I must have said this before. If you've got a small roll, put some jam on it. <laughs> and he does. There's jam everywhere. There's jam, there's clotted cream, there's some peanut butter. He's throwing it all up. Yeah. All up the wall. And he gets to, you know, he gets to have SGP sit on his lap. Yes. He's just having a good time. Mm-hmm. He is. He's having a great time. And then they get... Wait, before we move yeah. away from I have to just, I have to mention it. He has this line... <laughs> He says, I'll take you to wherever your hearts desire. And uh, and Kathy and Jimmy's like, our hearts desire children. And he says, well, that may take a couple of tries, but I don't think that'd be a problem. Ew. Ew. There's a, there's a del- ew, ew, ew. There's a deleted bit where he basically is just like, if you don't have bus fare, what do I get? Oh, God. Was, yeah, so he does in this Disney film ask them for sexual favours. Yes. Um. So... Gross, gross, gross. Props to the actor playing the bus driver, but not the bus driver character. Yes. <laughs> the actor playing the bus driver does the most. The character can get in the sea. Yes. Um. <laughs> and then I think the next big beat for me is th- they get to sa- the Satan party. The Satan party. This is just... This, <laughs> the just the what happened to make this scene happen? I want to know this because is... they're they're around these trick or treaters. They think all the children are demons, and then they realize they're children, and that's cute. And then they see the devil outside a house, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's the master!" They're starstruck. They are bewitched themselves, and they go to the house. But kind of a winding down night. In this, I house. assume so, but like, I, but no, it's just him dressed it's so up. So weird, for, like it's, it's really just the guy dressed up for trick or treaters, and his wife is not. Having I it. assume this is this feels like a moment in the movie where it feels like their Blues Brothers moment or their SNL moment because it feels like they've just inserted a scene to have two people, legends, two in legends it, yeah. in, a, in it as a cameo because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. Like, it makes I don't absolutely know. no sense to have it, and it doesn't really do anything for the plot apart from just like give them something to do while their kids are running around town. Absolutely. And I, so if you don't know, they go to this party and it's the it's the devil and his wife are played by Gary and Penny Marshall, who are real-life brother and sister, both have since passed away, but are both... Icons. E- easily like, as legendary as anyone else, like as, as, as Bette Midler or yeah. SJP. So Gary Marshall is the creator of Happy Days, directed Beaches. And Pretty Women. And Pretty Women. Penny Marshall is Laverne from Laverne and Shirley, Directed big, directed a league of their own. It's insane. Like it's absolutely mad that they're in this film. And that's why I feel because like also like there's something about this scene where I'm like, what is happening here? Why is she like? What is their relationship dynamic? Is, She's like, where have they been summoned by Bette Midler? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think possibly. I think they have. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. Don't get me wrong. There's loads yeah. of humour to be found in it. So I love that cameo. It's great to see them. Happy for them. Very happy for well, them. Well, I'm happy for us, actually. They they deigned to be in the film. Happy for everyone there. And also, I think, good on Kenny Ortega. 
Yeah, he was like, I'm going to pull in some cool pals. Cool pals with real, like, such impressive directing chops as well. Absolutely. And not that not his or anything to shake a stick at at all, but just there's he a real lack of toxicity his... in that, isn't there? Yeah, so he just wanted to get his pals who he really admires in a fun scene together. Kenny Ortega and Gary Marshall seem to be like quite non-toxic Hollywood yeah, men. which is... Which we don't hear enough about. My understanding of Gary Marshall was that he was a difficult director only in the creative sense as an actor to work with him because apparently he was just a bit like, yeah, see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But not in like a, a way that actors felt was entirely useful all of the time because sometimes mm. they'd be like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then he also made a film about female friendships and how yeah. wonderful they are. Exactly. Which so, is great. But yeah, as a, a counter to that, he was also, from what I understand, very beloved. Like, yeah. people loved him. Yeah. I also think it's nice that, uh, given the fact that this is a movie about a set of siblings, that yeah. they are there together in this movie. Yeah, and <laughs> as much as, like, I suppose he created the show that gave Penny her big break, being Laverne and Shirley, but also she did wonderful things in her own right like she had huge did. achievements with the league of their own and big yeah. i mean two films that have completely stood the test of time yeah. i bet and they had a lot of fun filming this oh they together. must have just been such and i think also just like as people who were pals with our brothers i know you just it's just really nice you love to see it you <laughs> yeah. love to see it and they're old and they're yay, pals david. <laughs> yay david <laughs> yay chris <laughs> That's um, uh, Louise's brother, not her boyfriend. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> They're both called Chris. They are both called just Chris. Just in case you thought something else. Untoward um, was going on. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is a nice beat. The next big beat of the movie is the party. Yes. An excellent looking party. Way better than the party that's happening at Alison's house. Much better. It's the, with all the 99% parents. <laughs> Yes, the 1% are back in their corsets, drinking cider, talking about, I don't know, probably having the same conversations they were having on the Titanic, I'm not sure. (laughs) um, Yeah, so this party looks excellent. It looks great, and it just seems like everyone's delighted to be there, Mm -hmm. everyone's got a night off, the kids... Yeah, it's it's hopping. Yeah. It is hopping. And it's just like that, isn't it so nice? I don't go to that many fancy dress parties. The last time I fancy dressed was actually with you at a hen party. Yes. And the best thing about the hen party, or one of the best, there were so many good things about it, but one of the nicest moments was when we all put on our costumes and realised that everybody had made a proper effort. Yeah. And there's just something about turning up to a costume party when you've put a lot of thought into your costume and I've also been the person who's turned up at a party in a costume that I put thought into and nobody's actually no. really mm-hmm. else has done it. And I've also been the person who has shown up to a party where people have put effort and I haven't really because I've been burned before. But oh. there's something special about turning up to a party. And everyone's committed. And everyone's yeah. gone for it. And if you don't know the pe- everyone there, then it's like a real bonding thing. It's like it's something that you can be like, okay, we can be friends. Yeah, it's great. It's one of the things that hasn't happened yet because of COVID, but... Mm-hmm. I am desperate to throw a Halloween party in this house. Yes. Desperate. You must. And I was going to do it this year, but circumstances being what they are, I'm not going to be in town for the date of Halloween. And I almost considered having a Halloween party before Halloween, but that just doesn't feel right to me. Mm. It's it's as important as, like, celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day. (laughs) Like yeah, it's the day. No, you I do feel it that. on the day. I feel that. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll just have to wait till next year. 
Is next year? So. It would not be on a Saturday next year. I haven't checked. Maybe I'm gonna check right now. So put it in your diary. Yes, everybody, put it in your diary. I'm having a Halloween party next year for sure. You know who you are. You know you're on the guest list. Um, I'm assuming I am, or it'll be very oh. awkward. <laughs> This is really awkward. Actually. Oh no, it's on a Monday. My days are going the wrong way. Never mind. Okay, never mind. Scratch that. We'll so, edit that out. Six years from now. So yes, this party looks killer. The band are killer. Everyone's looking great. I think it's in a civic hall or a town hall, which mm-hmm. I also really like. I'd like to believe, having never been there, that Salem commits in real life commits at this level to Halloween. So my friends Richard and Guy were there like not too long before COVID, and they were there like the week after Halloween, and they said it was very clear that they do it. They really do That's it. That's a bucket list for me. Really is. Yeah, we. I have think to. we said this already that we would like to to do this. We want to do it. Um. Yeah. We'll find a reason. We'll do this next spooky season. We will come to you live from Salem. <laughs> I'm, I'm manifesting. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> Yeah, so this party looks great. To cut a long story short, the kids are coming to the party to find their parents because they're like, witches, talking cat, zombie. Maybe he's yeah. good, maybe he's not. We don't know yet. Yeah. They've got a lot going on. <laughs> and, and they need their mum and dad. <laughs> they need their mum. Their mom, I think the dad is very dad. I love the dad. Yeah. I really love the dad. In a I look me in the eye, love the dad. <laughs> she really did insist that I looked her in the eye there. And it was really intense, everyone. So... I don't know how to recreate that for you, but just know that that was, that, that was a lot. Dad is just, I love him, and uh, he's being, a, he's just, he's just, he's just kind of hot. And the dad's the baddie in something. He is, he is hot. I think his last name is. He's got a really interesting name. The actor who plays him, it's like something Rocket or something like that. It's like. I want to say it like is total. Is it Total Recall? He's in maybe. Hold on. Hold on. She's finding out. She's finding out. She's finding out. Charles Rocket. Charles Rocket. Please, Dave. He's the baddie in Dumb and Dumber. I love That's him. That's my name from. I love him as the dad, and I love how he's he's just being such a dad, but mm-hmm. in a good way. Okay, how so? Like, you know, he's like being silly and he makes a dad joke. And then when he thinks that something is actually wrong, he's like straight into like, what's wrong? Is, is Danny okay? Is everything fine? Yeah, that is... You know? Yeah. It's weird how as we age that becomes a really hot thing, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, not weird. It's actually it's, very uh, natural. And, and anyway, yeah, also but, if you carry a whole bunch of daddy issues around with you, then yeah, <laughs> just, you're just like like hyper aware of we good dad behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> Mum's uh, doing hanky-panky era Madonna in yeah. her costume. And she she's the one who's like, she's kind of bummed that the kids are there. <laughs> She's definitely surprised. She's surprised. Like, note that I think there's... I don't know if it's a scene or if it's a lucid scene, but, like, the dad is definitely dressed up before the kids go out. He's Uh ready. She is not ready. And that's because she's dressing... She's not dressing for kids. No. Well, she has that moment, that exchange with Danny, where she's like... Because Danny's, like, taking it back. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what are you meant to be or who are you or whatever? And and she has the whole... Madonna, obviously. No? Really? No? But what's the, like, what would the today equivalent... Would that be like if I had children, me going to a Halloween party dressed as Cardi B? Is that what the equivalent would be in terms um, of like the moral outrage of the time? I don't know the answer to that because times have moved on in such a way. I don't know, maybe Ariana Grande? Like if you turned up like... If you were somebody's yeah. mum and you turned up as Ariana Grande or... Harry Styles. I have absolutely no idea. I would 100% dress as Harry Styles. If you have a Halloween party, I, I want I want to put dibs on Harry Styles as my costume. Absolutely. And I support that. I guess what I want what's a suit. blowing a fuse in my mind is trying to understand 
what the equivalent of that would be in 2021. I'm just trying to think of the last... Because I was just thinking about, you know, how people got really upset over WAP. And they also got upset over... like a prayer yes but that's not what that's that's not what's blowing my mind is what is blowing my mind is the idea that hanky panky era madonna is still for me as for me the childless person who still considers herself quite young a legitimate (laughs) costume choice of course it's a legitimate costume Cardi B, choice. however, is not. Like, I, like, I wouldn't dress... it. Do you, do you know what I'm getting at? Like, the, I, the iconography of Madonna is still right. relevant to me, so the idea that it would have moved on so much... Right, okay. I, I don't, do you, I, I'm not articulating this very well, but, like, it's just... It's that thing. It's that thing of, like, not understanding where we are in the gap, the age gap right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I think what... Yeah, I'm not... I, I think I don't mean, like, Cardi B as in, like, I would dress up as, like, Cardi B at the supermarket. It would be, like, a very specific Cardi B in a... Also, I don't... But also... Yeah. There's not an equivalent There's not an equivalent level Cardi B. Of, no, no yeah, but like Cardi B's hugely yeah. famous, but Cardi yeah. B is not doing something to the culture that Madonna did. Mm. There isn't an iconography there that is universally recognisable. So do more like, maybe like a Billie Eilish or something with like green, even, green roots. Even then, there's going to be people, there's gonna be people, be people who don't that get look, that. Yeah. Whereas it wouldn't matter whether you were into Madonna or not, but if you walked into a party yeah. dressed as Madonna... People would still know who you are. They'd know who you were. Yeah. That's not true of any pop star going today. Unless you're talking about Madonna, who is still going today. Yeah. But you, Gaga's not even applicable, really. Like, I would I would imagine there will still be some people who are like, I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, it's sort of like, there's no, we don't have pop stars at that level anymore. There's not that thing I of like... I suppose with like... can't penetrate the culture anymore in the way that people did before. Maybe because there's such a broad range of like people there are people who just don't know pop music who don't have any reason to have to listen to pop music anymore yeah it's not as unavoid it's it's a lot more avoidable than it used to be in a way that in the 80s and 90s it was like these are these are like the 12 famous people right now yeah and they were blazing a trail Mm -hmm. in a way that really really by definition like by pure definition blazing a trail yeah because like there are arguably people who are changing the culture right now like Lil Nas and Lizzo yeah but it's just not the same or it's not the same yet and it might be the same when they've been around for a while because actually this was 1993 and Madonna had been around for what 10 years at this point yeah at least yeah 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 10 years easy yeah so she'd been about so maybe it was yeah anyway we digress falling down a (laughs) massive rabbit hole curious to know what your thoughts are on that if anybody has any if if you were to remake if you were to remake say a sequel of this film what would the equivalent of a madonna costume be would it just be madonna yeah and would you say to your eight-year-old obviously or would it be like, like Madonna in the Ray no? of Light video? Yeah. Would it be a different Madonna? It would be a different Madonna. <laughs> Which era of Madonna would it be? Yeah. Would it be Frozen Madonna? I feel like I've been very triggered by this. <laughs> and I'll need to sit back at some point and really interrogate why. Um, so anyway. Anyway, so they're at the party. There is really, it's a really short scene, actually. And but... speaking of iconic singers. <laughs> Max knows his parents don't really believe him. His mum accuses Danny of ODing on sugar. And uh, Max jumps on stage, takes the microphone from the skeletal, skeletal singer and announces that the Sanderson sisters are alive and well and here. And everyone's like, what? And I just got chills. And they got chills. And the Sanderson sisters appear in the centre of the dance floor because they've followed everybody in. And I would like them. to say at this point, the spotlight operator in this venue is on it like oh. fuck. He's like, where? <laughs> there. 
there they are this is amazing yeah and Winnie just takes it in her stride and she's like thank you Max for that wonderful because introduction she's actually Bette Midler because she's a professional and she finds her light <laughs> and knows her cues and then they sing I put a spell on you no no not they I know technically they but she she Bette Midler sings I have a spell on you I'm sorry yes that's exactly what happens and they do, in fact, put a spell on everyone. So the parents are all dancing, leaving their children. Presumably, none of their children have have babysitters. But anyway, I'm gonna go. I'm with not gonna nitpick it like, at it. Maybe Salem is like a bit more free and easy on All Hallows Eve, it's and like, like the a kids bit of a, can run riot. Kids are all together. What's gonna happen? Maybe they also are quite confident that they all know the neighbors and everybody in the neighborhood. So if they're trick or treating, they're probably spending a bit of time with their pals and in their pals' houses. And those mm. who are not at the party are at home, etc., etc. Yeah. Et Needless to say, bit of economic script writing in the sense like this is why all the parents parents are, not are home. here, kids are home, yeah. kids are fair game. Yeah. So that happens. The the kids know the parents aren't going to be any help. They're all falling under the spell, but it's a great number. It really is. Bette Midler always has a number. It's always great. I think it's in her contract. Sometimes they give it to Diane Keaton, and <laughs> that's also good. That is also good. Uh, SJP and Kathy sing back up in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. It's great. But yeah, the kids do a bolt. They're being chased by Billy the Butcher at this mm-hmm. point, um, who everybody in the party just thinks superb costume mate well done yeah grand prize they're, uh, they're just kind of like the party organisers really oh, pulled it really out this year out. like yeah. oh I'm having such a good time <laughs> last year it was just some crab puffs and a DJ this yeah. is like yeah this chef's is kiss. really good <laughs> they're out in the alley somebody says something about an oven I don't know and Alison gets the idea to burn the witches in an oven and then there's this whole bit mm-hmm. that uh, Louise and I have agreed isn't it's, really the it's not like a great bit of the film it doesn't serve the movie it kills its stone dead it's a little bit like if the scene in Empire where Luke <laughs> walks into the swamp to find the vision of Darth Vader and fight him a little early it's like that but like if it was made 20 minutes long <laughs> yeah it just it is like that I don't love it I don't love it but what it does do is it gives us a chance to make the kids fall into a false sense of security. They all go mm-hmm. back to Max and Danny's and there's this cute little moment where, um, you know, it's established that Binks and Danny are going to be pals forever. Yeah. She's going to have a permacat. She's going to have a permacat, which is the dream. No, a permacat is great. A permacat that you can have full-blown conversations with where they talk back to you is... Utopia. Is, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Although, speaking of like when we we mentioned earlier the sadness, the tragedy of Thackeray Binks. Yeah. There's another Tim Burton short in here where uh we see Binks watch Danny oh, grow no. old and get less interested in him and live her life and graduate college and fall in love and have kids and yes, Binks would still be there and he'd be the grandkids and the kids yeah. cat and all the rest of it, but you have to watch so have to watch Danny them all die and die and then the kids grow old and die and Yeah. I do like the you idea know. of having had cats die, I quite like the idea of that not being my problem. <laughs> but being put it on the cat yeah. Put it on the cat. Put it on the cats for Let a change. Have some of the emotional yeah, burden. They could just like carry some of that weight for a change. Yeah. Somebody with an old cat, I would really quite like her to know my stress. <laughs> know my pain. Um <laughs> So yeah, this bit, yeah, so basically, I guess, to cut a long story short, they think the witches are dead, they're not. There's a whole, like, kind of 
I don't know if it's sweet. I don't know. I, don't, I can't decide if it's sweet or not. Where like um, Max and Alison curry up together on this really uncomfortable looking wooden step mm-hmm. inside Max's room and fall asleep because apparently she can't bear to go back to her one percent parent party, which is probably still going on. <laughs> Uncle Cal's drunk and yeah, talking about diamonds and yeah. competition law. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so they wake up at some point and then there's a conversation around helping out Binks. Mm-hmm. Cuz they've got book. They've they've carried book around with them this yeah. whole time. And they reckon that if there's a spell in there that turned Binks into a cat, then there must be a spell in there that could reverse it. So they open book. Binks wakes up and is like, "Shut the fucking book." Mate, what did I tell you about the book? <laughs> what did I tell you about this book? Guys, fuck's sake. <laughs> You stupid, stupid virgins. <laughs> that's not quite how the scene goes, but like that's how, 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 exactly how it goes. exactly how it goes. So yeah, and then yeah, so that just, yeah, because these stupid little virgins. And then there's something about salt. Uh, salt protect, and it's just a vehicle for us to, it's a vehicle for nothing bad to happen to Alison. It's also a vehicle for there just to be like a little bit of like cute little like, Actually, Alison is kind of open to Max now, and that's fine. The witches come and get Danny. They come and get Book, Danny, and Binks. They, I don't know, they do something to Max. He's kind of out of commission for a sec, and they zap him, and he falls over his drum kit. Is that what it is? Yeah. And then Alison just like surrounds herself in salt, which they recognise as a little bit of white magic, white witchery, white witchery. Yeah, and then there's SGP's musical number. Yeah, come little children. Yes, there's a bit we've missed. Sorry, I'm blaming the movie for this rather than us because this is a much more interesting scene than the stupid bit in the school, and it overshadows actually quite a cool bit where the witches get back to the house and they're trying to remember the recipe for the children life sucking potion. Yes, because they don't have book. Yeah, because they don't have book. This is the thing; like, they don't actually really give a shit about the kids, but the kids have book. The yeah. whole film. Exactly, yeah, because so they've got... that's all they want. Sarah, Sarah has successfully sung the song to entice the rest of the kids. They've done everything they need to do. They've bewitched the parents, thus making the kids vulnerable. Sarah sings a song. They're all on their way. Yeah. They just need to make the potion. Yeah. So actually, they don't need to concern themselves with Binks, Danny and Max anymore. Yeah, there's loads of kids. They don't there's care about of those kids, ones. But and... they don't have fucking book. Yeah, they just need to survive till sunrise. They yeah. need book. And But there's a cute bit where they're trying to remember the potion and they're like... Like is it like dead man's nose, dead man's tongue, tongue. dead man's tongue, and then Sarah in like a callback to like the very first scene, she starts dancing about singing dead man's toes as she does earlier in the film, and they just dismiss it, even though she, that's right. They just dismiss it, like oh, I can't remember. We yeah. need book, and that's why they go to the house. That's why they concern themselves with these children in the first place because they've got book. They've got book. Yeah. And uh, so then they've got book, they bring Danny and Binks back. Max and Allison have to figure out, save them. So they make their way over in a car because Max is a virgin who can drive. Which is only half as harsh. Yes. <laughs> yes, because the big plan is daylight savings time. Yes. This is the big plan. So the idea is that they just have to stall, they really just have to stall the witches until sunrise or they'll turn to dust. They're there to save Danny. Max turns up and tells them they forgot about daylight saving time, opens the window, and Alison's got the car lights on to make it look like the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. So the witches all do the most. Yeah, they're super extra about it. Really, really die. Yeah, which is fair enough. They're yeah. committed. They think they're dying, so they're committing to it. It's, just, it's great. <laughs> they're brilliant. And then that just basically gives 
Max enough time to get Danny out. Away. Yeah, yeah, away and out. In the meantime, she calls Winnie ugly. Winnie's very upset by that. She has a really cute... It's quite a heartbreaking thing where she's just like, she doesn't even know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty savage. Which is... It's mean of Danny to say that. Oh, and at some point, the witches have picked up the bullies... Yeah, they've done that. Yeah. Billy's are there. But, yes, so the kids all manage to escape. Max gets his shoes back. They're quite happy to leave the bullies there to die, potentially. They are, they which is yeah. quite dark of them. It's really quite... Um, I mean... I mean, I guess, you know, they're short in time, but... They're also assholes. But they're also children, technically. I don't know. Ice is definitely... He's got he's got. I mean, they're both 30. Yeah, I think they're grown men. So Max has spilled the potion and he's got like the last little vestige of it in a wee vial mm-hmm. on his person. So again, they're kind of racing away from the house. They've left book, but they've got the potion, which is the only bit left. There's no room to make anymore, so the witches need that, so they have to chase them. So they are leading them away from the other kids. Mm-hmm. They get to the graveyard, which is the hallowed ground we're talking about, and Billy's there. Billy is there. And this is when whatever control the witches have over Billy is broken. I think what's been happening is, while everyone else has been running around at parties and having a little sleep, mm-hmm. getting burned alive, Billy's what been sitting in whatever, <laughs> you know, has been sitting in the graveyard doing some work on himself. Mm. he's woken up he's like it's 1993 maybe he's had a little wander around town he's assessed his situation and he's thought I don't need to take this anymore mm-hmm. like I don't need to be with this abusive gaslighting horror show of a person I think I just need to work on me mm-hmm. for a little bit I'm going to not be let myself be silenced anymore yes doesn't do that and so he takes Max's like Swiss army Swiss knife, army knife. <laughs> whatever it is he has cuts the strings holding his mouth closed and moths fly out and they are real moths I learned as I was doing my studying for this um, there was like a little they had like a little thing that they put in his mouth with live moths actually I don't know how they did it I don't know I didn't when it's, he was just it's, it's, I've always assumed that was an effect a very good effect they're like, real moths and it's very impressive but I'm sure I'm sure I saw Doug Jones talking about it and he actually was talking about how he can feel them like flapping about <gasps> in his mouth but oh they can't God. surely they can't because they not, not have got wet I don't know I actually I will look this up again I might put it on the meads I might not though if I don't then please google it because it's it's just cool those are real moths coming out of his mouth it's just further proving my opinion that he's the hardest working man in Hollywood yeah like he's just like I can just picture that Kenny Ortega's like so Doug we're just gonna we're just gonna put some moths in your mouth and Doug's like sure yeah um, cool we're gonna sew it shut yeah <laughs> we're gonna sew your mouth shut <laughs> yeah cool great um, this is this is still equity scale yeah okay great and then he says what he needs to say he says his truth to, he does. To Winnie. He fucking does. He cuts open his mouth. He is no longer silenced. And to Winifred, he says, Wench, trollop, you bucked toothed mop riding firefly from hell. Which is great. It's great. You Slut shaming and body shaming aside. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair. But he has pain and we can't judge him for yeah, that. Yeah, he has pain. Moment. He's allowed at least. A little bit of a grace period for saying awful things. I mean, if people if are allowed, his mouth some, was sewn shut. Yeah, we give people allowances for being kind of dickish in the eighties. Not, not the worst kind, but like there are certain things that will be like it was the eighties. So we can be like it was the sixteen nineties. It was the sixteen nineties, and yeah. trollop is still a socially acceptable word to yeah. use against people who've sewn and, your mouth shut. Justi- fair enough. He's justifiably yeah. mad. He's justifiably mad. And then that's it. He's he's team he's team Binks, yep. as I'm calling it. Um, yep. From this point forward, uh, he's a good zombie. 
he's a good zombie, which Max declares, he's a good zombie now. Yep. And Danny goes up to him and is like, hi, Billy. <laughs> Very cute. It is cute. It's just cute how much she trusts Max. She's like, yeah, she's like, well, if Max says you're on the team, then you're on the team. Yeah. Um, and um, he is on the team, like very much so. Like, he's very team Binks. He's on it, and yeah. So they put, they all have like their little weapons. The witches turn up when he's in a broom. Sarah's on a mop, and Mary's on a vacuum cleaner or Hoover or Hoover, depending on where you're from. Where you're from? Uh, <laughs> is that who? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Do people not call it a vacuum cleaner? No, I think it's. I think it's just a joke. <laughs> Yeah, so... That's technically what they are. Yeah. They don't hoove. I know. <laughs> anyway, they, so... They do not hoove. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> you are not. Very rarely. Uh, so she's hooving about. And... Sarah is mopping and Winnie is brooming. Yes. The kids have like various bats and whatnot. Yeah, there's like some, yeah. There's some kind of makeshift weapons. And Danny's in a little salt surrounded grave. I don't really understand why they didn't all get in the salt surrounded grave. Yeah, it feels like they could just have packed a lunch and then just. Gone into the crypt. Gone into the crypt, salted around the area and then just hung out. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Anyway, but ultimately, you have a note next to that saying, because they're all stupid little virgins. That is true. So that is, uh, as much as the points we've just made are all valid, that is the reason. That's the reason. (laughs) That's the reason. So they are basically just like killing time until sunrise. Yeah. They just need to, they just need the witches to be there till sunrise and then they'll turn to dust, which eventually they do. But then when he manages to get a hold of Danny and she's going to drop her to her death. So what Max does is he drinks the potion himself sacrificing himself for Danny like entirely thinking that that is like he's he's no. toast which is very very cute not before when he calls Danny a little trolley mog um which I looked up because I like words and it's a it's a synonym for slattern which is the source of the word slut so she essentially calls Danny a little slut uh, which is heavy but also believable for Winnie and also I believe kind that of for her. it feels like it feels like one of those things that the script writers for this just like snuck in because they're like, no one's going to know that. Like, no one's going to work that out. It's going to be like 2021 in October when two podcasters in the middle of Glasgow are going to figure that out. And it's just going to be good, good yeah. height for the sequel, so it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, so she calls this eight year old child a little slut. Max drinks potion, she picks up Max and then gets knocked off her broom, turns to stone, and then they all turn to dust because the sun comes up. Bobby, Bobby, boo. Yeah. Somewhere in the midst of this, uh, Binks gets involved in the tussle, though he tries to help and he gets flung off of Winnie and into a headstone Mm. and is injured quite badly and does die. Because I think, as you mentioned earlier, the magic around Binks is tied up with the witches, so when they Mm -hmm. go, he goes. His immortality goes. And that results in a very heartbreaking scene between Danny. It is very sad. And Binks. Mm -hmm. But then Ghost Binks appears. Yes. Or Ghost Thackeray. Because Binks is a cat, Thackeray's a boy. Yeah. And it's all very Casper at this point. It's very Casper. But no, she can't keep him. No, she can't. (laughs) This time. Not this time. And uh, yeah, so they have a wee moment and then Emily appears. Yeah. And she says... Thackeray. Thackeray Binks. (laughs) (laughs) That she does. And it's not... It's fine. (laughs) Whatever. We're just, we're kind of glad that Emily didn't have more to do. And 
Uh, maybe they just they didn't give Emily anything good to do. Yeah, she had, she had, yeah, she had nothing to do. Yeah. And so Thackeray shares a sweet moment with Danny. He says, "I'll always be with you." I mean, you're also just, like you've known each other for like three hours. <laughs> yeah, not three hours, nice. but like twelve, maybe yeah, twelve, maybe twelve. Oh, yeah. mm, has it even been twelve? I'm not sure. Generously twelve. Yeah. So, but you know, sweet nonetheless. Yes. Um, and so he goes and joins Ghost Little Sister, mm-hmm. Ghost Emily. And they ghost walk off into the ghost sunset. Yeah. And, uh, and it's nice little, nice little big brothers, little sisters. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's very sweet. Although uh, she does, like, Emily's like, where have you been? Yeah, or what took right. you so long? And we get one final burn. <laughs> one final virgin burn for Max, where Thackeray's just like, oh, I had to wait for a virgin to light a candle. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he says. And it's, you know, Max... Max is like 16. Like, give him a break. Is he even 16? This is what I was wondering. I mean, I don't know, but also, like, maybe it's good that he's a teenage boy who's not. Yeah, I would, like, none, none of this was like. Yeah. There's points in the movie, like, when we didn't bring it up at the time, but, like, the, yeah. the, the guy they mistake for a cop. Yeah. And a virgin gag comes up again there, and he's like, Are you really are you, a virgin? Are you really a virgin? It's yeah, like, it's like, this virgin? kid is like 15. Like, it's yeah. fine for him to be a virgin. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, don't really. do anything till you're ready, Max. Absolutely. Like, like I don't think he's I don't think he's sixteen. I think he's fifteen. I think okay. he's fourteen or fifteen because he just looks he looks very young. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's unclear, but he's 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 young, so I think it's fine. I think it's fine that he's a virgin. He's just a boy. He's just a boy. <laughs> Leave the boy alone. Leave him alone. Um, and then yeah, so one last virgin burn and <laughs> virgin burn, and then um. <laughs> We get we do get this little cute moment between Danny and Max as well. There's a wee shot of them like Danny's watching Thackeray and Emily walk off into the sunset and she's smiling and Max gives her a little hug and yeah, it's really cute. The sibling relationships are strong and lovely. It's nice and it's it was a nice thing I guess for Disney to do because as much as like there's a like there is kind of like a romance blossom, the main relationship in it is it yeah. is like brothers and it's sisters, brothers and sisters, yeah. Or like siblings, because we're like witches siblings. As you can point out, everyone's like witches siblings. Max and Danny, Thackeray and Emily, Gary and Penny. Gary and Penny, <laughs> yeah. And but that's nice because like most of us saw this when we were little kids, and yeah. that is like your most significant relationship. Most significant relationship that you have yeah. that isn't with your kids, unless you're an only child. And you know, there's tons of films about friendship as well, which are also very good. But like, it's nice to have a film about this stuff because I think it's something that most people can relate to. Yeah, that's nice. And then I suppose the button. We go back to the bullies for a little bit to to reassure us that they're in fact not dead. Yeah. I mean, sure, whatever. Who cares? And then the final button on the film is all the parents tumbling out of the town hall at like six a.m., seven a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, what like, was that? Yeah. Like completely. Like it's like it's like Jamaica Street in Glasgow <laughs> coming out of the sub club or the arches, like, like heading for a sarbeni at turquoise. Y- yeah. <laughs> They are, whew. yeah, they've had a nice night. They've had a nice time. The dad is like, I thought LA was a party town. <laughs> and it's like, what were you doing? I think the what spell up to? was MDMA. Must have been. That was the spell. It must have been. Or essence of. Essence of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that I know what that is. Um, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. 
And that is Hocus Pocus. Oh, we get the last little shot of book w- winking. Oh, yes, book. Letting well, us in no. to a little hint that there's going to be a sequel in 30 years. Yeah, book. Which I bet it is. I bet it comes out in 2023. That makes me feel... It's a long time from now, Louise. It's not... I'm triggered again. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> book looks tired, if, if you ask me. Book's just like, did anybody remember to pick me up? Like, I have no limbs. <laughs> I have an eye, sure. I'm, apparently I'm kind of sentient. Like, yes, I'm useful. Like, I have information. Where even am I right now at the end of this movie? Is there, are there no other evil beings that can use me? Am I in a graveyard? <laughs> Put me in a library. Someone do use something. Me. Use me. Value me. <laughs> but they don't. But they don't. And that's fine, because fuck book. Fuck book. <laughs> that was I'll Have What She's Podcasting. Thanks to Chris Gorman for the edit and the sound design. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She's Podcasting. If you liked this, you might also enjoy our sister podcast, Persistent and Nasty, which is all about amplifying marginalised voices in film and theatre. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Fuck book. <laughs>